Welcome to the Insurance Law Podcast, brought to you by Best Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys. Welcome to the Insurance Law Podcast, the broadcast about timely and important legal issues affecting the insurance industry. I'm John Zuba, editor of Best's Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys. Joining me is Brendan Noonan from our communications team. We're pleased to have with us today attorney Jeffrey Kaufman from the law firm of Bryden, Hugo, and Parker in San Francisco, California. Jeff has practiced law for over 35 years, and he has special expertise and extensive experience in insurance coverage advice and litigation. He has also lectured extensively on these subjects. Thanks for joining us today, Jeff. Well, thanks for having me. Today's podcast involves a case between Plant Insulation Company and Fireman's Fund Insurance in a matter involving missing policies and establishing the burden of proof. Brandon Noonan leads off today with our first question. Uh, Yes, uh, Jeff, uh, tell us a little bit about this case. Well, in many ways, uh, this case is uh, typical of cases involving missing policy issues and the way it arises, but it has a a number of its own twists. Uh, Plant sold and installed asbestos-containing products for decades, at least back into the 1940s, and like hundreds of similar companies nationwide, Plant is caught up in the mass tort litigation involving asbestos claims. Since the 1970s, Plant has been sued in thousands of cases, and for more than 20 years, its insurers defended and indemnified it until they exhausted all of their aggregate limits. When Plant's insurance coverage was completely exhausted, it pursued SIGA, the California Insurance Guarantee Association. And then after that, it started looking for ways to get more insurance coverage out of missing policies. And they also tried to get coverage out of exhausted policies on a theory of unaggregated operations coverage. But that will have to be a different podcast. It resurrected a claim it had made in the early 1980s that some of its insurers, including American Automobile Insurance Company, issued policies to it in the 1940s didn't have any of those policies, but it asserted that they were issued and that they covered the asbestos claims. So it tendered the claims under those alleged policies in 2006, and that initiated uh, litigation that that I've been involved in. Uh, One unique aspect of the plant claim is that it asserts it was insured under the same policies as another company with whom it says it had a close relationship. So the case presented a lot of issues, some typical of missing policy cases and some unique to plant circumstances. Uh, Jeff, how frequently do these types of cases occur? Well, as you might imagine, the cases arise when old coverage is involved, and it's rare to see all missing policy cases uh, involving policies issued after the 1980s, for example. The further back the policies go, the more likely it is that all or part of them is missing or that disputes will arise over whether the policy was even issued. So for policies to be involved in the first place, there has to be a case like asbestos cases, which reach back into time. Most of these types of cases are either asbestos cases or environmental contamination cases, where the allegations are that the injury or damage started a long time ago. It's possible certain types of drug cases, like DES cases, could also raise missing policy issues. But there are hundreds, if not thousands, of defendants in these cases. And it's not uncommon that they seek coverage under policies that nobody has anymore. It's interesting, though, that although I think these issues arise quite a bit in these types of cases, that there aren't that many reported decisions on them. Most of the time, the parties either work it out based on the best evidence available or the policyholder recognizes the futility of pursuing a claim because of the lack of evidence. So I would say that while the issue can come up often in this genre of long-tail or latent injury-type cases, it's usually resolved by compromise. What are the principal issues that arise in these cases? Well, the bottom line issues are, was a policy issued, and if so, what does it say? 
to get there, you have to run through a lot of evidence issues, which, because of the age of the policies, can be quite daunting for both sides. Of course, the burden of proof uh, issue is typically a very critical one. It's pretty well established that policyholders have the burden of bringing the claim within the coverage, so the policyholder must establish the existence of the policy and that it covers the claim. But the degree of specificity of what the policyholder has to show about what the policy says is often a matter of dispute. Uh, does the policyholder have to come up with the precise terms of the policy, or does it just have to show in general that this is a type of policy that provided coverage for this type of claim? As you can imagine, the more specificity that's required, the harder it is on the policyholder, especially going back to a time when CGL policies and standard forms weren't in common use. Many insurance companies, including American Auto in the plant case, uh, don't have copies of forms that they used 60 years ago or even 50 or 40 or 30 years ago, and they can't tell which form might have been used on any particular policy. So that makes it hard to figure out exactly what a policy said. On the other hand, if the burden is too low, then there's a risk that the policyholder will actually be getting coverage it didn't purchase. In ins insurance cases, courts are always saying that the language of the policy is critical Yet, in missing policy cases, some courts allow recovery without even knowing what the language was, just knowing what it covered in general. If the policyholder can recover simply by proving that a policy existed and that the type of policy covered this type of claim, then it's recovering uh, only by proving a part of a contract, and it's left to the insurer to show that the policy didn't cover for some reason. We know that it's quite typical for older general liability policies covering businesses to be loaded with endorsements, many manuscripted, that could change all sorts of coverage. But in most of these missing and allegedly missing policy cases, these endorsements are not available. In some cases, policyholders are allowed to recover, even though we know there's more to the policy than they were able to prove. So it's sort of like someone coming into court with the first couple of pages of a written contract and saying, this is enough to show I win, and asking the court to render a decision on those pages. I think courts would be reluctant to allow a party to recover based on an incomplete document. But with the missing policy issues, sometimes that's what happens. The big issue uh, is uh, who has the burden of proving policy limits. The insurers claim that part of the basic policy terms are the limits, and that should be for the policyholder to prove. The policyholders claim that the limitation, this is a limitation on coverage and that the insurer must prove it. In, in our case in plant, they were claiming that the policies that they were trying to establish had no aggregate limits at all, and then that was our burden to prove that they did. Another related issue is the standard of proof required. Is proof by a preponderance enough, or must the policyholder prove the existence in terms by clear and convincing evidence? Often lost instruments must be proved by clear and convincing evidence because of the potential of fraud and the vagaries of memories. This is also an issue that has very little appellate opinion on it. Uh, many evidence questions come up in these cases, as you might imagine, due to the age of the policies and the witnesses. There's issues of the authentication of documents, uh, hearsay, ancient document rule. Frequently, there are no witnesses from the era when the policies uh, were issued, and nobody has first-hand knowledge of them. That was the situation in the plant case. And sometimes the exact author of many of the documents is not known. That was also the situation in the plant case. So those evidence issues, authenticity, et cetera, are big issues in these missing policy cases. Also, there's questions of whether there's an adequate chain of custody of records that has been shown. 
And at the bottom, in order to try to prove a policy through what's called secondary evidence, evidence other than the policy itself, uh, the policyholder typically uh, in, in most jurisdictions has to demonstrate that it did an adequate search for the actual policy. So those are some of the principal issues that come up in these cases. What role can experts play in these cases? Well, experts can be uh, very important in plant. Both sides did have insurance experts that testified about the meaning of ledgers. Uh, in, in the plant case, the principal evidence on which plant was relying were some old accounting ledgers. And so we had experts that were testifying as to the meaning of the ledgers, to the nature of available insurance in the 1940s, as to the prevalence of products coverage, and as to custom and practice of having aggregate limits when products coverage was issued. In our case, we also had some ink experts testify, which was a little unusual, but the authenticity of, of the ink on, on the ledgers was in question, and we had an expert testify as to the red flags that he saw in the condition of the ledgers because they were full of chemical eradications and erasures, pages were out of place, etc., and so that raised questions as to their authenticity. Uh, it was interesting uh, and unique uh, testimony you don't usually get in an insurance case when you have two world-renowned ink experts, one who's been involved in many high-level profile cases, he's a former Secret Service agent involved in the Unabomber case and Olympic bombing case and some spy cases. So it was, that was interesting testimony. And we had an accountant uh, who testified as to whether the ledgers were kept in the manner that complied with accounting practices, which also reflected on the authenticity. So those uh, experts can play a big role in these cases. What are some of the important considerations for insurers to keep in mind as, as they're handling these cases? One of the considerations is to uh, don't think that the burden on the policyholder is going to be unable to be met and that, and that uh, you don't want to do a search because you're afraid you'll find evidence that will support it. I think that it's an important consideration to remember that the possibility that the burden of proof could shift back to you with, without much showing on the policyholder's side. And so you, you do want to do a thorough search uh, within and outside the company for any records or policies, any records or people that, that might remember the policies or the account. And uh, keep in mind the kinds of evidence that can give you some indication of whether or not policies were issued. It's the types of evidence are limited only by uh, your imagination. Uh, certainly witnesses from the time of the policies, the policyholder witnesses, the broker witnesses, the insurer witnesses who, who might have been involved in the account are important uh, aspects to search any documents that reference the policies, including premium payment records, checks and registers, ledgers, as was very important in the plant case, audit records that are issued uh, after policy period, uh, broker letters and insurance summaries, certificates of insurance are, are very important. They are issued to hundreds of people whenever, every year, uh, certificates of insurance are issued to many, many customers and vendors. And so you want to search not only the insured, the broker, and your files, but you want to check with customers and vendors to see if they have any certificates from back then. Contracts that the insured entered into might have insurance obligations, requirements, that, and they sometimes state uh, how those requirements have been met by what policies and what companies. Annual statements of the insured can reflect on insurance coverage, accountant, outside accountant records, old claims files both within the insurance company and within the attorney's offices of the people who handled the claims, 
and in plant they had some old ledgers which had entries showing payments on policy numbers of policies that were issued to the other company and from that they argued that they were insured too under this other company's policies and that was their principal evidence of coverage so you do want to do a thorough search uh, and get whatever information you can don't accept the policyholder allegations as true unless they're verified make sure that uh, in internal memos that when you repeat these allegations that it's clearly reflected that they're not being accepted as true and what happened in plant was there were some internal memos that conveyed plant's allegations internally and plant argued that by doing so that was an admission that the company was accepting them so you want to be careful with your internal uh, documents that they don't accept as true that which you haven't verified you should share the result of your search with the insured. It may not be required that you do it, but it avoids any allegations later on. And you should be prepared to uh, prove the likely limits and the presence of aggregate limits in the event that there is adequate proof that you did issue a policy. And you want to uh, thoroughly prepare to meet the experts that are hired by the other side. There are some that appear in case after case, so there's plenty of prior testimony and information about them. And uh, I would say, lastly, that you do want to argue about the burden and standard of proof in areas like this where evidence is scarce. The burden and standard of proof can be the deciding factor. And in case you're wondering about the outcome of the plant case, closing arguments were earlier this month, and the decision is pending. Okay, Jeff, thanks very much. Appreciate your time today. Uh, we've just spoken with Jeffrey Kaufman from the law firm of Bryden, Hugo, and Parker in San Francisco, California. Special thanks to Brendan Noonan from our communications team and to today's producer, Jenica Thomas. And thank you all for joining us for the Insurance Law Podcast. To subscribe to this audio program, visit podcast.insuranceattorneysearch.com or go to online directories such as iTunes or Google or Yahoo's podcast directory. If you have any suggestions for a future topic regarding an insurance law case or issue, please email us at lawpodcast at ambest.com. I'm John Zuba, joined by Brendan Noonan, and now this message. Best's directory of recommended insurance attorneys is used by decision makers at insurance companies responsible for selecting legal counsel and representation. The printed directory is distributed annually to insurance companies, non-insurance companies, third-party administrators, and corporate counsel around the world, and the online edition is accessible throughout the year. Your listing in Best's directory of recommended insurance attorneys is the most effective way to ensure that thousands of potential clients have access to your outstanding credentials. Here's why you should be listed in the number one insurance attorney reference. Your firm's credentials will be listed in our comprehensive reference guide, which is made available to thousands of insurance professionals globally, both in print and online. AMBEST listees are recognized as the most qualified in their field to represent the unique needs of insurance companies. Key decision makers rely on the directory to take the guesswork out of their selection process. They know that only the best are listed, those firms with a proven track record of excellence who are recommended by their insurance industry clients. And remember, one low rate guarantees year long visibility for your firm. We invite you to use our web application process to apply for a listing today. With our reasonable rates and broad exposure, there's no more effective way to get the attention of the insurance industry. For more information about Best's Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys, visit www.insuranceattorneysearch.com. 